and looked at how evangelists um, build up the church. Part of their ministry of building up the church, we saw those as recruiters, those who are recruiters and, and kind of headhunters. And like the military, they have recruiters and, and they bring people into the team and they bring people um, into the ministry. And um, they're very passionate. And we looked at uh, one of those last, last week of, of being passionate. And they hear the cry of the lost. We, we looked at that they enjoy spending time with non-Christians. Amen. Evangelists really do. Um, they're not bothered by where, they, where, where they're at or what it looks like or who the folks look like. Um, they're not moved by those things. Um, they're very bold with their faith. Amen. They're very confident in their faith. Evangelists just make it look easy. It, it, they just have, it just seems easy to them, even though it's not always easy. Um, and we saw that oftentimes healing and deliverance will accompany the evangelist as he or she is obedient to the call of God. See that obedience to the call of God. Amen. It doesn't matter if it's to one or to the masses, to an evangelist, as we're going to see in this passage we're looking at. Um, they cry out for a personal response to the redemption of the cross. That's part of their call and their cry. And the question that keeps them up is, are new people hearing the gospel and coming into the kingdom? Amen. That is what moves them, and that is on their heart constantly, and they will at times be an irritation to some folks about that. Thank God for that, because if it wasn't for those evangelists, we'd get real comfy, and we'd get real content with just being here at church and singing Kumbaya and going, this is awesome, and we wouldn't go out and get uncomfortable and bring new people in, amen? So um, we looked at um, Acts chapter 8 last week, and we're going to continue in Acts chapter 8 where we see Philip the evangelist, and this time... Um, he was moving in the masses um, last week, and this time he goes out just with one. So if you have your Bible, we're going to be in Acts chapter 8, um, verse 26 through 40. I'm reading in the New King James this morning. Been doing that for a while. I know I switched it up. I was in New American Standard for quite a while through Revelation, and somebody likes that. Praise the Lord. But just know that with every hand clap, there's probably someone who doesn't. So um, I'm just going to keep reading out the Bible I like, and you guys can get used to it. How's that? <laughs> Phones are awesome. You can click anything you want and follow along. So Romans chapter 8. Can I have these lights turned up a little bit more? Because as I'm getting older, or I'm sorry, Acts chapter 8. <clears throat> Thank you. Um, verse 26, we see Philip, and um, we saw last week how he moved and and. Now it says, now an angel of the Lord spoke to Philip, saying, arise and go toward the south along the road, which goes down from Jerusalem to Gaza. This is desert. So I kind of see this picture of it's taking um, really good stuff's happening. April and Richard, pay attention. (laughs) Really good stuff's happening in Philip's life. Philip has been able to minister. Great things are happening. And it takes an angel of the Lord to come and tell Philip, now don't take this part. I don't think you're going on a desert road. <laughs> but, but where God was sending Philip, it took an angel of the Lord to say, hey, I need you to get up and I need you to go somewhere. And, and the place, like this is the beautiful thing of evangelists, is evangelists will go take the desert road. Like God says, I, I need you to go and, and go to God and take the desert road. I don't know about you, but I'm not excited by that word. Like, if God's asked me to go somewhere, he's like, and, and go the desert route. I mean, I just, I, I already know me. I'm like, that's dumb. Why do, like, there ain't water on the desert route. Like, the desert route is hot. Why would I want to go on the desert route? Does anyone else take, anyone else talk to the Lord like I do? No, you guys are all way more mature than I am, I'm sure. 
Um, but that's how I could just see how this story would go. Like, there's a way better route. Why don't we take the freeway? It's faster. We can drive 85 on that freeway and get to where we need to go. Amen? Yeah, it sounds familiar. So, but he says, arise and go. I would circle that in your Bible. That's a whole other message I can't preach today. Maybe someday I'll get back to it. So just circle and you go, oh yeah, I remember he said that. Arise and go to this desert place. He basically says, hey, I need you to go take the desert road. So here's a beautiful thing with Philip. Guess what he does? Yeah. He hears the word of the Lord and he gets up and goes. Now guess what happens after that? Behold, a man of Ethiopia, a eunuch of great authority under Candace, the queen of the Ethiopians, who had charge of all her treasury and had come to Jerusalem to worship. This man was no little guy, the treasurer of Ethiopia. He is a, he's a believer. He's a Jew. He's, he's a proselyte. So he's gone to the Jews and, he, and he's, got, he is some, he's got some funds because he's able, we see, he's able to purchase scrolls. Usually scrolls went to synagogues, like for, this is one person. And he's like, yep, I want, this, I want the scrolls. And he buys scrolls. And um, I better read it. I'm going to just give you the paraphrase version. <laughs> so so he, gets, he gets these scrolls, and, and it says, as he's returning and sitting in his chariot, he was reading Isaiah the prophet. Then the Spirit said to Philip, that's good that the Spirit was talking to Philip. The Spirit tells Philip, Go near and overtake this chariot. Now that sounds like Philip must be able to run. Imagine there's a chariot and he says, go overtake it. Now that almost sounds like he's going to like rob this dude. Like this guy's rich. Like go overtake it. Nope. He, he's not going to go do that. But he goes and overtakes the, the chariot and he run, runs to him and he hears this man reading from the prophet Isaiah and he says, do you understand what you're reading? So you can imagine, like, I just picture Philip. He's running along this chariot, and he's listening. You understand what you're reading? The guy's like, no. He stops, says, get up in here with me. Here's what I'm going to tell you. There was an appointment that needed to be had. He had been with the masses, and God was concerned about one man, one Ethiopian man, in his chariot, reading Isaiah, and he sends Philip the evangelist to reach that one man. He leaves this revival to go to one man. And who, who that, that doesn't make sense to us in the natural. But it makes a lot of sense to God. Because it's the angel of the Lord that tells him, and the spirit of the Lord tells him. And he goes and he says, do you understand what you're reading? And he said, how can I unless someone guides me? And he asked Philip to come up and sit with him. The place in the scripture which he read was this. So this is so awesome. I just want to say, if you ever get the opportunity to minister to Jewish people who are not Christians, Isaiah 53 is where you go. If you ever want to minister to Jewish people who don't believe in a Messiah, Isaiah 53 is where you go. How do I know that? Well, this is what, well, this is what Philip did. He was an evangelist. And this is what God had, had this man reading and had that appointment set up. So I don't believe there's any other place in the Bible that's more powerful to talk to Jews than Isaiah 53. That was for free. So he says, he was, here's what he's reading. He was led as a sheep to the slaughter, as a lamb before its shears is silent. So he opened not his mouth, and the humiliation, his justice, was taken away. And who will declare his generation? 
for his life is taken from the earth. So the eunuch answered Philip and said, I take you. I ask you, of whom does the prophet say this, or of himself, or of some other man? Then Philip opened his mouth and began, what, what's Philip do? Here, other church, listen to me. The man asked him a question. Philip could have went, well, I think, blah, 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 and just started talking from his own. Well, no, 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 Philip doesn't do that. He says, he goes to scripture. It's so important to know the word of God. If you're prophets, if you're an evangelist, if you're an apostle, if you're a pastor, if you're a teacher, you got to know the word of God. You got to know to handle the word of God. So that's what Philip does. The guy asks him a question. He doesn't just go to what he feels and thinks. And, and no, he goes into the scripture. Amen. So he goes to the beginning of scripture and preaches Jesus to him. What's he preached to him? Jesus. That sounds like a pretty solid evangelist to me. Like there's lots of things that get preached today. Lots of messages that get preached, but what did, the, what did Philip preach? He preached Jesus. He preached the gospel. He preached the good news, which is Jesus. There's, not, there's no other gospel. There's no other good news. There's lots of things going on today. Lots of messages. Lot, there's no other. You're not going to hear from an evangelist any other message but Jesus. Evangelist is going to talk about Jesus. He's going to talk about him crucified. He's going to talk about him resurrected. He's going to talk about the redemption. That's, that's what's going to move an evangelist. And that's, that's what's going on with Philip. He preaches Jesus. Aren't you glad someone preached Jesus to you? Aren't you glad someone got a little uncomfortable? They might have ruffled your feathers a little. They might have taken a risk of you saying, you know what? That's offensive. But he preached Jesus to him, church. There's only one message worth preaching. And it's Jesus. There's only one that came to this earth and saved us. And there's only one that's coming back. Amen? So, what is, so he goes on and he says, Now as they went down the road, they came to some water, and the eunuch said, See, here's water. What hinders me from being baptized? And Philip says, If you believe with all your heart, you may. And he answered and said, I believe. What is needed for salvation? I believe. I believe. He didn't say the sinner's prayer. He, did, he said, I'm hearing you. God is stirring my heart. I see that it's true. There's water. What's stopping me from getting baptized? Do you believe? I believe. Let's do this. Amen? So, so Philip says, so he commanded the chariot to stand still. Oh, a bear just got to be bold too. It ain't his chariot. Now he's running alongside of it. Hey, now he's saying, hey, Stop this thing. We're about to get out. I love this. So Philip takes control. He commands the chariot to stand still, and both Philip and the eunuch went down into the water. Now, this is, I'm just going to, I'm not going to go very long on this. This is why we don't sprinkle people. If you just want to, here's scripturally why we dunk people. Okay? Here's where you find it. Listen to what the wording is Philip and the eunuch went down into the water down into the water he baptized him now when they came up out of the water they had to get in some water and look if 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 all you can do if that's all you can do great i don't believe god's like nope i'm not counting this one like if all i could do is like there's this much water i'm gonna throw it on you and say praise god you got baptized but if there's water to dunk you we're going to dunk you because this is what it represents, burial, 
death and burial and resurrection coming out. Amen. This doesn't do that. And this isn't what they did. So that's why we do it. Does that make sense? Just seems like a good plan. Do what the church, early church did. Okay. Do what the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists. All right. That's why we do that. Let's do what Jesus did. Amen. All right. So he baptizes them. Now, when they came up out of the water, the spirit of the Lord, this is so awesome. The spirit of the Lord caught Philip away. That word in the Greek is harpazo. It's the same word for rapture. It's snatched away. It's snatched away quickly, almost violently. Like Philip was like, woohoo. And I'm just seeing he's starting to celebrate. And next thing you know, the eunuch's like, where'd who go? Like, what the heck just happened? He got poof right in the midst. And guess what, church? One of these days soon, I believe, we're going to be maybe celebrating, worshiping the Lord, maybe praying with someone, maybe baptizing someone. Hopefully, we're about our father's business. And we're going to be snatched away. And people go, hey, where'd they go? Where'd they go? Isn't that a beautiful picture? Philip was snatched away. And guess what? He was snatched away not to just be snatched away. He was snatched away to go about his father's business. The Lord said, you know what? I needed you to talk to him. Now I need you to be over here. And Lord, if you need me to go somewhere cool like that by being snatched away, I am okay with it. As long as I get to come back. Like, I'd like to come back. Unless you're just going to snatch me up out of here for good. Like, I'm okay with that too. Sorry, babe. I love you, and I love my kids, and I love all of you, but if, if I get an opportunity to be snatched away, later. <laughs> Have fun, y'all. It's been real. No, I'm serious. That's my goal. Yeah. I, I heard, uh, I think it was Dr. Jeremiah, um, David Jeremiah, one of them said, said something the other day. I got a kick out of this. He said, you know, one of these days I may go by way of the undertaker. And I, I said, okay, yeah. He goes, but I'd rather go by way of the upper taker. <laughs> I said, I like that. Like, let's go by the upper taker. That sounds a lot better than the undertaker. Amen. So, so Philip's harpazoed. It says, so that the, the eunuch saw him no more and went on his way rejoicing. But Philip was found at Astos and passing through, he preached in all the cities till he came to Caesarea. That's an evangelist. Like, I would think like, Dude, I might need a break after that. Like, okay, I just got harpazled. I just got snatched away. I was here doing this. The next thing you know, like, I'm not there. That might mess you up, you think? Evangelists aren't messed up by that. They just are like, okay, now I'm here. People need to get saved. People need to hear Jesus. So that's what Philip did. He just kept on about his business, getting people saved. I love evangelists. They're, they're like, you get around evangelists, you, you just, you're going you're gonna to have to grow, and you're going to have to change, and you're going to have to start, like, getting people saved. Or you're going to not like them. Seriously, you're like, one of two things are going to happen. You're going to be like, who do they think they are? They're always getting people saved. Or you're going to be like, hey, that happens. Or you're going to be like, dude, they're awesome. They're challenging me. I want to help get people saved too. Let's be like those group, right? Let's encourage our evangelists, amen? All right, I got, well, I'm taking 10 minutes of your time, so there you go. Are you okay with that? Good. Glad you are. <laughs> struggles of evangelists. Um, this is my last, last kind of point. Um, the struggles of the evangelists, they can get hurt and injured out on the front lines in the heat of the battle, often behind the lines. 
Thank God for them. But understand, evangelists, sometimes we've come across evangelists that have been hurt and wounded, and we think they're a little sour. They can get hurt when they're out there behind the lines. So understand that and love on them. Amen? Now look at Luke 10, 2 through 3 says, Then he said to them, this is Jesus speaking, The harvest truly is great, but the laborers are few. Therefore pray the Lord of the harvest to send out laborers into his harvest. Go your way. Behold, I send you out as lambs among wolves. Evangelists are set out like that, as lambs among wolves. Think about that. That's, that's part of their call. In 2 Timothy, and I'm, I'm sorry I'm running, but um, I just got to, we got to, I want to get this finished up so that, um, well, we can have Easter and everything else that's got to happen in the next couple of weeks. Um, 2 Timothy, though, 2, 1 through 4 says, you therefore, my son, this is Paul speaking to Timothy, be strong in the grace that is in Christ Jesus. And the things that you have heard from me among many witnesses, commit these to faithful men who will be able to teach others also. You, therefore, must endure hardship as a good soldier of Jesus Christ. No one engaged in warfare entangles himself with the affairs of this life that he may please him who enlisted as a soldier. That's how evangelists see it. They don't get real entangled in the affairs of this life. They, get, they're, they're, they, they realize, I got enlisted. I need to help people get saved. I need to bring people to Christ. Amen? That, that's a good word that Paul's teaching a young evangelist, Timothy. I want to tell you something else. Evangelists can get hurt inside the church. Now, I'm, I'm talking a little bit of some of the more harsher things this week, but if, you, if you're just going, man, Pastor Steve's speaking a little negative about the evangelist stuff today, go back and listen to last week's. It was all good. But here's some realities of the evangelist. They can get hurt inside the church because others don't understand their call. You need to hear that. That can happen, and I've seen it happen. And it's the devil loves to get the different gift mixes at odds and fighting each other because he knows if they're in unity, Jesus is represented fully. And good things happen when that happens, amen? And I'm just going to share this passage with you to see um, what that call of an evangelist looks like. And this is why sometimes we don't understand of it, those who aren't evangelists. Paul tells Timothy, a young evangelist again in chapter 4, verse 5, or 1 through 5, he says, I charge you. That's not a little light word. I charge you, therefore, before God and the Lord Jesus Christ, who will judge the living and the dead. Whoo! I think he's got his attention. What do you think? At his appearing and in his kingdom. He said, hey, he's coming back and he's going to judge the living and the dead. Preach the word. This is what he tells him. Preach the word. Be ready in season and out of season. Convince, rebuke, exhort. I charge you, Timothy, preach the word. It's almost like he knows what's coming. It's almost like he knows the days that are ahead. Timothy, there's going to be lots of op opportunities for you. There's going to be lots of challenges for you. That you could be speaking about a lot of different things that might help increase your kingdom and increase your finances and make life easy for you. But Timothy, don't do that. Preach the word. Timothy, you're going to be challenged to not want to convince people, rebuke people, or exhort people. But Timothy, I'm going to need you to do that. He says, with all long suffering and teaching. For the time will come when they will not endure sound doctrine, but according to their own desires, because they have itching ears, they will heap up for themselves teachers. Heap up for themselves teachers. And they will turn their ears away from the truth. Did you hear that? They will turn their ears away from the truth. Who will? He's speaking to Timothy, speaking of the church. They will turn their ears away 
from the truth. And be turned aside to fables. There's a lot of stuff that gets getting taught and preached in this day and age, and it's fables. Listen to the truth. Listen to the truth. When you start, the truth will at times convince, rebuke, and exhort. <coughs> and at times people will want to turn away from that, but don't turn away from it. Be and don't be turned aside by fables, things that aren't so. People are saying there's so many things getting said about the Lord today, and they're like partial truths, but they're fables. And people are following it because it sounds good, and we have itching ears, and it sounds good to us. And, oh, I, somebody scratched that part of me. Oh, I want that. And then we're dragged away. <clears throat> it says, but you be watchful in all things. Endure afflictions. It does, that means it's not going to be easy. Endure afflictions. Do the work of an evangelist and fulfill your ministry. Now, he's telling Timothy that as Timothy is going to be pastoring the Ephesian church. He's going to be pastoring the Ephesian church. And he tells them, don't forget, do the work of an evangelist. Beautiful. Here's some of the struggles for evangelists in this whole thing. They're not understood a lot of times by the church. And the church can hurt them. They can become celebrities because of their personalities and their powerful giftings. And people can begin following them instead of following Christ. It's so dangerous. People start following a very powerful evangelist and forgetting they're following Christ. Forgetting, hey, they're just a human being. They're just like us. They're brothers. They're sisters. And I know, I, I know that we can start believing our own hype and press because look what happens in, in uh, <coughs> I think it was in Luke 10. Jesus sends out the 70. He empowers them, gives them power and authority. They're working miracles. And what do they come back doing? Jesus, check this out. The demons are obeying us. Right? He said, guys, you guys, you guys should be blown away that your names are written in the book of life. That's what you should be blown away by. He has to bring them back into like, oh. And that can happen with all of us as God starts using us. Amen? <clears throat> Sometimes an evangelist can get narrow on their message and concerns. I know that. So sometimes they can lack helping people grow. And sometimes it looks like this, next, next. <laughs> That's just going to happen. They're, they get really excited about getting people saved. You get them saved and they're next. What's the next thing? So they need us. They need the other parts of the body to come alongside. Amen? Sometimes they can blow in. This is, this is an evangelist. And, and, and man, if you can, evangelist got a good gig, I'm just saying. Like you can just blow in and like blow out. You can just come in and like, and then you're gone like two days, three days later. And then other people are going like, that was awesome. What just happened? Oh, they just set fire on everything. And now what we got to do? And then you got people running around like, oh, my Lord. Like, that's sometimes why the evangelists get a bad rap by some of the pastors. Because it's like sometimes the evangelist comes in, they set everything on fire. And then pastors go like, great. Now I got to deal with that. And, and the evangelist like, see you next week. I got to be somewhere else. Have fun. Hey, can we come back next year? Sometimes they're like, No. <laughs> It's not supposed to work like that. Just saying. Sometimes evangelists can get so focused. And don't worry, I've done some of these parts of the, the pitfalls of some of the other giftings too. So I'm not just picking on them. Believe me, I'll pick on, I pick on pastors a lot because I am one. I can do it. But they sometimes can get so focused outside the church, they forget to help build the, and equip the ones inside for the work of the ministry. 
Amen? And, it, and listen, it can come be, become very easy to do that when inside the church they're getting drilled a lot. They can have a tendency to go, you know what? It's, I think it's a little safer out here with these sinners. I'm just going to get people saved. And we, they also need to be inside the church building and equipping us for the work of the ministry. Amen? That's Jesus' plan. All right. The needs, and I'm going to, I am closing on this. The needs, they need the vision of the apostles. Here's what evangelists need, okay? And here's how the other gifts work and play. They need the vision of the apostles. I believe apostle has the, is the eyes. Like if you're going to use the five senses. Now this is just, say, Steve Dennison. You don't have to agree with it. It's, it's just extra material. It's bonus. You can throw it away if you want. I believe the apostles have, are visionaries. They have the vision. They, they see the plan of the church. They see the direction of how the church should move. So the evangelist needs the apostle to come alongside because the apostle can see the big picture and bring balance for the inward and the outward needs and missions of the church. So the apostle comes along and helps the, the evangelist see, like, the big picture, and bring balance into those ministries. And that's, that's part of what the apostle does. I, I believe this. They need the smell senses of the prophets <laughs> to share insight and, confident, and, and confirmations and help them in their plannings and their strategies. They need that prophetic to come alongside and at times go, you know, I'm sensing that you're on the right track. I'm sensing there's something good over there. Even though it sounds or it might look like it's not good fruit over there, I'm sensing it's time. I'm smelling this is a good thing. Or the evangelist is excited going, woohoo, man, there's lost people over there. And that prophet can come alongside and go, I'm sensing it might not be time yet. There could be some danger over there. there. There's something dead. I smell death coming. So God has put us together, and, and I believe he's given us a pit. Doesn't God tell us he puts us together as a body? The body has many parts. So I believe that we can use this. And see, that apostle does have the vision. Um, the prophet, I think, has a sense of smell. Um, they need pastors. Evangelists need the touch of the pastors. I believe the pastors are the touch senses. Pastors will come, and, and as you guys are hurting, or different ones, they come and just put their hand on you, and they, they touch. They can sense and feel what's going on in the body and the flock, and they care for the needs of the flock. So an evangelist needs that touch sense of the shepherds to help care for them, to help care for them, not fight with them, but to help care for them and those who they're leading into the kingdom, because that evangelist is going to be like, next they're going to need that shepherd to come along and help nurture some of those babies and take care of them because the pastor's going to, the pastor heart, that shepherd heart is going to be like, we can't go get more babies. We need to take care of these babies. What are you doing? Don't bring more babies. The evangelist's like, good luck with that. We got more people crying. What if there was only one part? What if you only had one sense? How well would you function? I'm going to keep going. I wish I had more time to really go into this. But I got two, whoa, one minute left of the 10 I borrowed. They need the taste senses of the teacher to help explain the gospel and to help disciple these new babes and believers to grow in maturity and learn how to feed on good food. They need the taste of the teachers. Taste and see the Lord is good. They, they need the taste senses of the teachers to take words and teachings and scripture or other material that these new babes may be going they need them to come on and go let me see some of it. let me watch that youtube video with you 
Let me hear what that meant. I'm going to chew on that. I'm going to taste that. Mm, no, I wouldn't eat that, babe. That's sour. That's not good. That's not good food. Amen. You need these other senses. Now here, here's what the, the senses of the evangelist, I think I've already told you last week, but and how we know if, if we don't get good food, we won't mature, right? It, it will stunt your growth. So we, every part of these are so needed. The evangelists, though, they're the ears of the body who hears the cries of the lost and mobilizes the church to let's go get them. What would you do without ears? You wouldn't hear the babies crying. You wouldn't hear the lost that were screaming for help. You wouldn't hear, and the evangelists are moved by that. So we're not fighting with them. We're not going, you morons, we need to teach more people. No, you teachers need to teach more people. You shepherds need to care for more people. You apostles need to use your eyes and help us see what God's doing. You prophets... We need your sense of smell. <laughs> Ooh, we're, this is good stuff. I've, we're heading in a good direction. Or, ooh, that's ripe. Let's not go there. Let's move from here. It's dead. Anyone ever smell anything dead? Aren't you glad your nose lets you know before you get there? Aren't you glad you smell it before you step in it? Thank God for prophets. Thank God for pastors, teachers, apostles, shepherds. Here's the last thing I'm going to say about evangelists. This is it's church, and if you say, well, I don't know where I fit in this part, here, here's the rest of us. Evangelists need the support of the body in their prayer covering and their intercessors. Evangelists need to be, us to be praying for them as they go out. And, and if you have that evangelistic call to your, or even if you're going to be going out and and I had uh, Matt and Aaron, who, Aaron, she's just a little evangelist too, that girl, man. Um, her and, and Matt are going to be with their family over the weekend, and they're um, going to a memorial. And they were, Pastor, would you pray for us? Because I feel like we need to, she's already like, last week, she, went, she probably got five people saved. She's, 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 she's like, I heard it. She was like, gone. She goes, we're going down there, all of our family, and we got all these different people from different lifestyles and backgrounds. Would you pray with me? Cover us in prayer, because we're going to go, Jesus is coming back, and we got we to minister to him. Heck yeah, I'll pray with you over that. How many know, like, I, I'm pretty sure things are going to go a lot better with that prayer covering. With that intercessory that's going to go alongside of those, that evangelistic calling, man. So we need, we, I, Jenny asked if she could take the gifts away because they've been up there because they don't fit the decor right now. <laughs> but just imagine there's gifts up here. And, and we need each one, amen. Each one of them are so vital and each one of them bring a picture of who Jesus is, Amen. Amen. Well, I ran out of your time and mine, so <laughs> we got a lot done today, though. Good Lord. I think that's a record, and I would like to not do that again. Hallelujah. Lord, thank you for evangelists. Lord, I pray today all around, not just this church, all throughout the churches, and God, you can do, you can answer this prayer because you're awesome and you're God. All of the hurt between shepherds and evangelists, prophets and evangelists, pastors, teachers, apostles, and evangelists, I pray, God, that they would be healed today. Lord, open the eyes of all of the gifts and all the people in church's hearts to see how needed they are 
And even if they've been hurt, to be touched by you, to go and ask forgiveness, or to go and repent, Lord, to go and get back engaged in the fight. Lord, those who have hurt those, or Lord, even pastors, God, who have been hard on the evangelists, or I know evangelists that are super hard on pastors, I pray, God, that that would stop. Lord, that we would focus on winning the lost and raising strong, young baby Christians into strong adults. And Lord, that all of the gifts would be used for your glory. In Jesus' name.